Hey friends, Catlaw Hagquist here with a reminder that locally owned and artist operated bizbooks.net is still your best source for plays, acting books, scene books, teacher resources, and much, much more. And as you, like we, are clearly fans of Sabrina and YVR Screen Scene, we want to offer you 15% off your next purchase with the coupon code SCREENSCENE23. So come check us out at bizbooks.net. Sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social to learn what's new. And if you're in the Vancouver area, watch out for one of our pop-up shops throughout the year to come say hello and shop in person. Remember, Screen Scene 23 promo code is only available at bizbooks.net for a limited time. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Ferminger, and today, well, today, <laughs> I'm giddy. I'm so absolutely thrilled to welcome Bob Fraser, Bob Fraser, back to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. And yet the first time in the studio, mm-hmm. last time over Zoom. So really the last time doesn't count. This is it. This is the one. This is the one. So it has been more than a year since Bob's first appearance on this year podcast. During that interview, he reflected on all of the ne'er-do-wells, evil puppet masters, and smarmy bastards he's played over the course of his acting career, including his work as Albin Hurst, a key figure in the anti-witch terrorist organization, the Camarilla, in Freeform's brilliant, brilliant Motherland Fort Salem. Now, Motherland Fort Salem imagined a world where the witches of Salem entered into a pact with non-magical humans that made them a celebrated and powerful military force. Not everybody is very happy with this arrangement, especially Albin Hurst. As one of the leaders of the anti-witch movement, Albin Hurst was Albin Worst. Oh, that is so bad. That is dad joke bad, but Albin was bad. In seasons one and two, he killed and tortured like a lot of my favorite witches. And by the time season three rolled around, I thought I'd seen Albin at his worst and Bob at his meanest. But then season three hit freeform and we got to watch as Albin reveled in new depths of unadulterated, unhinged hate. It looked like both Bob and Albin were having a lot of fun. So, I invited Bob to come back and talk all about it. It took a little while to get him back onto the podcast, though, because while viewers were watching Albin's Last Stand for the first time, Bob was in Winnipeg filming Safe Haven. I don't know much about Safe Haven beyond the logline on IMDb, and I'll read it to you in a dramatic voice as I can muster. A high school comic book artist must uncover the truth behind horrifying visions coming to life from her drawings. Bob Fraser. Hi. Bobbert Fraser. That's your name, right? Bobbert? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Welcome back to the YVR Screen Thank Scene Thank you for podcast. having me. I'm so, it's, uh, you're so enthusiastic all the time. I just freaking love it. <laughs> <laughs> you make me nervous, I think. Oh. A little bit. You make me a little bit nervous. It's not your fault. It's not your fault at all. Um, it's because of all of the characters that you've played. So I look at you and I'm like, I know that I'm talking to Bob. This is Bob, mm-hmm. but I'm also seeing Albin, and I'm seeing you know all other meanies. I've seen you play psycho pirates and mm-hmm. mad hackers and things, but I'm like, no, that's Bob. That's Bob. So I'm like enthusiastic and also a little bit like on edge. Apprehensive. <laughs> I'm a little apprehensive. I'm a little apprehensive. I'm so happy that that you're here, though. I'm happy too. Thank yeah. you for having me. I, I really need to start with Albin. Let's go. Though. Um, I, I'm assuming we have a lot of switches listening, people who have fans of Motherland Fort Salem who have gone through the journey and it is such a wonderful journey, but know that, you know, Alvin doesn't really make it out alive. 
doesn't make it out alive at all. But if he were still alive. <laughs> he might be alive. Like, there's still the mother that can save him mm. if they bring back any movies or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're very hopeful. Always forever <laughs> hopeful. But how do you think Albin would introduce himself? Oh, I don't know. You know, I... Um, Immediately, the first thing that came to my mind was this uh, an episode where I was singing and oh, I was like playing to the audience, and I had all the witches in the in the in the cages. Yeah, in the cages. Oh my god! And uh, I imagine that he would probably introduce himself to some Broadway musical show tune, perhaps, or something like that. Something dramatic. Something um, musical. <laughs> <laughs> Is it correct? Am I correct to assume that season three was your most fun season? Because watching you, first of all, you were highly gifable in season know, three, even that. though you had some great and great moments in season one and two. But season three, it was like I could see almost like Albin's mania and just see... You, I mean, you talked about that, the, all the musical episode and him getting to, to use his, you know, his voice mm -hmm. in a different way. It just seemed like you were having a lot more fun. Yeah. Yeah. They gave me a lot more stuff to do, too. They wrote a lot of great stuff. So uh, Albin was certainly having more fun. He was, um, you know, he, he the way I played him, he was starting to come out of his shell, as it were. He was always standing behind his sister and behind the president and behind the Camarilla, but he started to find his own way out. He, like he was coming out, and it was very, um, he was so giddy about that, so excited about yes, that. Yes, that's the word, giddiness. Yeah. And I tried to, I tried, you know, when I, when they said they wanted to make him the face of the bad, you know, like the bad guy, the face of the Camarilla, I was like, okay, what does this look like? And they talked about certain aspects of him and the, and Nazi influence and things like that. And I was like, okay, you know, there's a traditional bad guy, I guess, that I could follow. But I also, I, I wanted him to, I wanted him to just be off a little bit, just to be a little on edge, a little, um... A little Shakespearean, I guess, is how I thought oh, about it. Oh, there goes Bob mining his <laughs> mad passion for Shakespeare. And they did. They yeah. like the the creators were like, yes, we want that sort of thing. So, so what are you talking about? Like, because the, like there was a little bit more of like weirdly vulnerable and pathetic as well this season that yeah. we didn't really see in the in the other seasons. No, yeah, I just. Um, I tried to throw in a whole bunch of stuff. So there were times when he would lose his temper and get a little bit angry. There were times when he was operating on a witch and he would, you know, he, he cared for them and he loved them, which was always off-putting as he was about to, you know, dissect them. Yeah. And then uh, there were times when he was taking the stage and owning the stage. And I, I, um, I, when I was with the uh, the main core, you know, the core four, uh, I often really relished those times. And Albin was like, I, I often felt like Albin was um, in his element, like He's he the fifth Beatle. Yeah, he wanted to be the, <laughs> you know, he wanted to be one of the Beatles, and he he was really enjoying being around them. So can I? Can we do a little bit of therapy for Alvin or some like cycle? Like, do you think that really he didn't hate witches? He really just wanted to be one of them? Uh, Is this like how, like, you know, Adolf Hitler, if he had only gotten into art school, things might have been a little bit different? different. Like the same kind of thing? Yeah. I only think of Adolf Hitler because, you know, Alvin Hurst, yeah, the AH yeah. thing is like, whoa. Yeah, and they did early on, they said Nazi doctor. And so yeah. I looked up Mengele uh, as my kind of prototype yeah. for him. Um, I think he loved the witches. I think they were the mother that he never had, the mm. sister that he never had. And whether he wanted to be one of them, I, I'm not sure. I mean, definitely, obviously, what happened with the vocal cords and everything, he was operating on himself. So there is that element. But he wanted to be around them. He wanted to yeah. be appreciated by them. He wanted... He wanted their camaraderie, their family aspect of things that he didn't have. Yeah, certainly whenever I was with them, and, and the actresses too, like Bob with the actresses, it was fun and I always played with them. There was a lot of um, teasing. And we still, they still, I still talk to them over email every once in a while. And, and uh, I just, there's still that kind of playfulness that exists there. <laughs> and I kind of really like that. You know, it's like it's amazing too, because often, you know, playing the villain, the bad guy. I mean, I see it play out like the fans will hate, like, and just like throw, throw hate in that person's direction. But for you, it's like the fans 
they love you. They don't think that like they're not rooting for you really, but they re- they were rooting to see you on screen. Yeah. They, they, How'd you learn to do that? Like, or is that like, did did the, like, what came first too? Like, did the, was it the fans treating you a certain way or are you treating the fans or? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a good question. I try to have one. That was the one. I'm done now. <laughs> no, you got plenty more. Um, you know, they, uh, they, um, they, they hated album. They really did hate him. And, um, and every time it popped up on Twitter, I would always write some snarky teasing comment <laughs> back. And then they'd be like, what? We Don't say that. We're supposed to hate you. And I said, oh, well, good luck with that. <laughs> and um, I think really over Twitter, they started to enjoy being teased or poked yeah. fun at. And and um, I would say things like, you, you know, you're speaking nasty. You're really being mean. That's really good for the Camarilla. Perhaps you'd like to join us. <laughs> and they'd say, never. <laughs> and some of I them, love that you naturally knew to do that too. That's fantastic. Some of them um, like got costumes and are like dressed in them and saying, "Hey, could I could I be your sister, your new sister?" And it was very uh, very funny and a lot of fun. Yeah. My favorite. I have to just one more thing is that they would uh, email me and ask me for or not email me. They'd Twitter me and uh, Twitter me. <laughs> so old. okay, we're we're. Yeah, we're officially ancient now. Yeah. <laughs> but they would send me a message over Twitter and ask for birthday greetings and things like that. Like, yeah. could you just sing happy birthday to me? So I would sing, like, Marilyn Monroe, happy birthday to uh, President Kennedy, right? Happy birthday, Mr. It President. so creepy. <laughs> and so I would sing that to yeah. these Switch fans, these Switches fans, and um, they just loved oh it. Oh, my they had gosh. Such a good time. You're good. You're so creepy, though. Like, you just, oh. Okay, you, you have, I mean, we're going all over the place. Place. There's so much I want to talk about with you, but you mentioned Sister a few times. Now, mm-hmm. this season, we saw an incredible cadre of guest stars. Candace McClure. We mm-hmm. saw Pranit again. Aaron Douglas. Mm-hmm. Cheryl Lee Ralph, the president, the real president. Victor <laughs> Webster. And, of course, Amelia Ullerup mm-hmm. as Kara, Alvin's sister. T- talk to me about the fun of having a sister. How do you think Kara's presence impacted Albin? Yeah. She, and in turn, Amelia's presence impact you. Yeah, uh, she was great. Uh, she was really nice and friendly. And we didn't see her. I didn't see her a lot. We saw her every... She was doing um, that show on the island too, right? Um, Chesapeake Shores. Chesapeake Shores, yeah. that one, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so she was kind of back and forth a little bit. The and she, totally different show than Mother yeah, Life. Yeah, it was so <laughs> different, right? And I remember the first day, oh, yeah, it's so exciting meeting her and playing with her. And then she came up to me and she's like, oh, my, Bob, Bob, they, they, two episodes in, and we'd been building this kind of like uh, romantic relationship. And she said, they, they just told me we're brother and sister. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> That's not how we've been playing it. Yeah. And, and it was actually really great. They wanted that. They wanted this like weird dynamic yeah. between the two. And so we were just kind of laughed it off and, and played it up a bit more. So she was great. She loved playing like that. And, and um, but having her, uh, like her character, Kara, on the show was uh the one person that could really shut Albin down. Yeah. I, I felt like whenever I was around her, I always felt like a, a child being scolded. Yeah, he made, he, like, she made him slash you seem so small. Yeah, that's And what I, I had these for. moments of like, why am I feeling sorry for this total monster? Yeah. And yet in this moment, but you could see there's a little, like this like little bit of humiliation, you know? And yeah. I'm like, it was so, it was fun. Yeah. Like it was fun for me to watch that. It was really fun to play too. It was really fun to kind of go beyond the normal villain guy. Yeah. And he, and you know, she talked about, the character talked about the family a bit and how, you know, mom and dad were always disappointed in him. And there was a lot of that kind of going on, like a, a need for a mother. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, I always say, and I say this like in, for myself, love therapy, you know? And like, if everybody went for therapy, the world would be just such a better place, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I, but then I'm like, if if all my favorite characters on TV went for therapy in childhood, like we wouldn't have the great television, yeah. you know? It's if, true. If Albin had had therapy when he needed it, you know, throughout <laughs> his throughout his childhood. Um, 
What do you think Alvin was like as a kid? Like, did you have you, did you talk about that at all with Amelia or with you know with the the showrunners and stuff and be like, imagine you know what his childhood was like? Yeah, there was one line in the in season three, one quick line that was kind of like you know that's what happened to all those dogs on our block from him dissecting them or operating on them, and mommy would have been really you know, angry with you sort of thing. So from those lines, I kind of garnered that he was a real loner. Yeah. It was kind of just uh, weird and figuring it out. And I think that the lack of family parental love really guided him to uh, do these other horrendous things. And um, I, I certainly use that as I, I built the character throughout the third season. I use the lack of not having a mother. And of course, the, the mycelium was the mother, right? The kept, mother. Yeah, I kept calling it mother. And when I opened the door and I saw it and, and I go, hello, mother, right? It was me looking at my mom mm. kind of going, I want, yeah, I'm here, right? Yeah. It was this kind of weird it was super fun to play so much metaphor in there and so much um for an actor and a, and a character to kind of screw around with and so yeah. to say what can i do with this line that is you know not traditional bad guy yeah oh, there was nothing despite the fact that like it's very archetypal you know and and also pulled from history n- there's nothing typical bad guy yeah. <laughs> about albin uh I mean, season three, we kind of knew, we knew going in, right, that it was going to be, we were going to have this complete arc and it was going to be the end of the Motherland Fort Salem journey. And I'm telling people even now, go and watch it, go and explore, Mm -hmm. go and like get in there and just enjoy all the episodes because it is a delicious journey. What were some of your, from the third season, some of your, either your, your most memorable or the most challenging, I love challenging challenging scenes to shoot or or beats to play mm-hmm. well you know especially knowing that you know the, the it was coming to it an was end coming to an end yeah no one knew where it was going no one knew what was going to happen at the end and they weren't telling us anything right and yeah. so it was kind of like it uh, we'll just play with what we've got um you know technically as an actor i'm not i can't sing so they were like can you sing and i said no and they were like, are you sure? Because, you know, maybe you can sing. I was like, look, let's be very clear about this. I cannot sing. So if you're going to get me to sing on the show, you're going to have to do something with it. So they gave me a singing coach. And of course, they wrote in some singing. And that was technically the most embarrassing part for me, the um, the part that was the most difficult. And yet Albin was relishing it. And there was a part of me that loved the fact that I was a little bit off key and yet still going for it. to be too, right? Like- playful and a showman. He was just showing so that was difficult but um it i was i wanted a better death at the end so that was a little bit difficult um <laughs> okay first of all actors are so weird the stuff that I, know. I know right i wish i had d- i had a better death <laughs> Sorry, um, remind me how he he died. I mean, it was a, pr- a quick he, death. Yeah, he drinks that. He drinks um, he poisons like, himself, basically. Yeah, Victor's yeah. daughter. He drinks it, and then she explodes him into this goo. And, Ew, it was so gross. I know. Yeah, and so <laughs> that was uh, a good death. It was pretty good. I I wanted I wanted to fight the witches a little bit more. And uh, I think there was a, like, they wanted to kill me. There was a bit of a bet going on about who would be the one to kill me. And, <laughs> and they all wanted a good punch at me, too. They all wanted to punch me. Are you talking about, like, the core four? And yeah, then, the yeah. core four and, and Tony, too. And they wanted to kind of beat me up. Everybody and, wanted to kill you? Yeah, they did. And, in fact, there were characters that had come on for one episode, and they're like, just so you know, I've talked to the producers, and I, I've i asked them if I could kill you. And I was like, what's going on here? Like, what's going on? And so, uh, yeah, there was this big thing. I don't know. You know, as far as difficulty is concerned, there wasn't really anything that was super difficult. It was fun. And what was really great about it was this energy that I was able to bring to it and play with. And it was a truthful Bob energy that I was able to come with. And I mean, the hardest part would have been, I guess, studying who... Uh, Mengele, this Nazi doctor, was and figuring that out and and being kind of, uh, you know, equally revolted and fascinated as far as building the character is concerned um, with what he did. And and that was kind of like, you know, messed up. What I find really messed up, too, about these studies of history, and I think my perspective is a little skewed right now being Ukrainian. Mm -hmm. 
but is how is how you know Mengele, yes, a person from history, but I'm sure there are Mengele's right now. Oh. You know, fascism is a thing from now. It's not a thing from the past. Yeah. You know, like these are. Is it was that you know despite the fact like yes, motherland takes place in a an alternate world, but like were you, were you ever like looking at you know the stuff that album's doing or you know the 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 stuff of the world of motherland Fort Salem and be like this is this parallel stuff that's going on right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, what, what were some of those things that you noticed? And absolutely. There Trump, the whole Trump thing going on, yeah. like, and, and this uh, president trying to steal the presidency and, you know, and basically take oh, it yeah. on. And so that was enormous. The notion that um, there, the notion that witches were not accepted as human beings by factions or, or people was the racism going on in the United States and in Canada to with yeah. the indigenous peoples and the school, residential schools and the uh, pe- people of color in the states being shot constantly throughout our whole filming process it was just like the the um segregation of the witches the ostr- ostracization is that the word heck yeah uh, of the Great witches word. in that in that world was uh so paralleled to today and I mean, I don't even want to go on about, uh, you know, A.H. and uh, Mengele and Putin, who is, you know, the same, really. Yeah. And uh, what was going on there. It was just kind of like, yeah, it was so relevant. It's interesting that, like, what we can do with sci-fi and with fantasy and with, you know, genre storytelling, mm-hmm. where, you know, you can create this you know this fantastical world you know pull stuff from from the current events you know and yet still make it entertaining and make it cathartic you know mm-hmm. it's it's uh i mean cuz i i was able to watch motherland <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy it with everything that was going on yeah. and it was it's was wonderful in the end you know like yeah goodwill gosh it's it's such a rich dynamic show mm-hmm. and I gotta say I heard a lot of good stuff about you from one of my best friends who was the uh, you know one of the executive producers Amanda Tapping it's Amanda Tapping she's a big fan too <laughs> she's awesome yeah. she was the best tell me I like to hear about her I uh, feel like I'm at a parent teacher she was, she was like the, <laughs> the mother she was like really the mother and the set uh, she was yeah, yeah the mother yeah, right yeah. yeah she was and the set respected her immensely and when she would have a voice people were like yes okay and that's important on a set that's important on a tv set or any film set because if you don't have that then you have 150 egos trying to tell their own story mm. but amanda was like pow her and brian were like just so so good at um and leading us yeah I I loved her on that set. I told her that too. I was like, you're like mama tapping. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's okay too. (laughs) We'll keep her. How do you think your time in Albin's suits he had nice suits right I in his suits yeah you to oh you have some of them mm-hmm. <laughs> i would have been completely creeped out if you wore one Could today you imagine? that no no i wouldn't open the door remember how quickly i opened the door <laughs> it would have it would have closed but how do you think your time in his in his suits has changed you as an actor and as a human being yeah um you know that's a, a big question let me just see if i can boil it down quickly for you albin was uh beautiful for me and um it was uh, an amazing time for me as an actor mm. so i uh you know i grew up in theater and i did a lot of theater and then i did some film and tv and then i was on the show cold squad and they killed me off and it was a really ugly experience and um i i felt terrible about everything that happened there and so i shut down film and tv for a while because i didn't feel good in it i didn't feel confident in it i didn't Hmm. feel like i could work in it as i wasn't talented enough to be in it and so i went back to not that i wasn't talented enough to be in theater or whatever that means but what i did go it made you feel bad yeah and i felt good in the theater and so i went back to just work my butt off and see what i could do in the theater again and then i spent many many years there coming back once in a while to film and tv then about six years ago, I just said, you know what, I, I'm gonna, I, I'm not comfortable in theater anymore. I was, I didn't like myself very much in that world. And um, I, I wasn't uh, growing in a positive way. And so I was like, I gotta, 
I got to change. And so I just kind of quit acting for six months. And then I, I was like, okay. What did you do during that time? Mm, not much. Yeah. I just kind of lived and uh, thought about what I wanted to do with my life. You and, pondered. Yeah. Then I realized that I'm addicted to this thing, and so I had to do it again. So I said, okay, well, I, I think I'm going to try filming TV again. And then I just kind of dived in. Like, I went full bore, 100%. One of the first jobs I got was, like, uh, um, a short film at Capilano University with a student. And then I did a Crazy Eights, and I did another short film with Carmen um, Moore. And, um, like, I was all, and... Uh, Is that what, around when you did The Canon? It, it was about a couple of years before that and I was okay. just like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna invest everything I have into this world and see what happens and I would slowly I started taking acting classes like crazy and I started to, to work with actors on, like every day I was just I want to just drown in this and I did and and I started getting better I started getting more comfortable I wasn't good yet I wasn't really confident yet but I was learning and I was seeing and I was looking and going, oh, when I act, when this happens, that acting this and try that. And, and then Motherland came around. And at first it was like, what is this part? Who knows what this is going to be, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd auditioned for a smaller part. And then they said, no, we want you to play this. And then I met with Elliot, who was the creator. And he was like, yeah, we think we want to do this with him and do whatever you want. And I was like, okay. And when that show started, I thought, here's an opportunity for me to really explore acting. Mm -hmm. I want to be an actor. I don't want to care about the crap that comes with being on a TV series. I don't want to care about the my ego. I want to eliminate that. I want to eliminate any kind of job, pay, my trailer and my chair and, you know, I'm coming to set when I feel like it. I wanted to eliminate anything that could possibly... Um, take me away from acting. The work that and I talk about, exactly. capital T, capital I love it w. when you say that. And yeah. so I just went into the work. Yeah. And I worked with people who were really talented and I would play with them on set and I would explore things and I would play and I practiced like crazy and I practiced in different ways than I had in the past. And then I started to become confident. Hmm. And I started to understand what it was. And from that point, uh, my work has changed dramatically. Because I, because I delved into the world as much as I could, but also because of the people that I was working with and how much they gave Albin to do and the, the family that was built around there, I understood it. It was like seeing the matrix a bit, right? Like I was mm. like, oh, this is kind of where I think I want to go in this world. And then Motherland afforded me the ability to, to do that. It was amazing. I mean, what you're describing, uh, people often have to do it the other way around. They will leave film and TV and go to the theater to do the work. And yet you went to basically a Disney show, you know, yeah. and were able to play there. Mm -hmm. That's that is phenomenal. Yeah, it was really interesting. And you know, the, the other thing was I, I didn't. Uh, Alpin, uh, he did that for you. <laughs> he did. And I didn't want to be influenced by uh, how anybody else worked. In other words, I didn't want to create my process based on what other people were doing. I wanted to create my process based on what I wanted to do, mm. understanding that everybody has their own process, right? And so. That that was really important for me to be able to grab my confidence. I'll tell you a funny story real quick. Is uh, the first day of episode, th uh, season three, episode one, I came in and had this boardroom speech. And when I stepped into the boardroom, there's all these extras there and I got nervous again. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm nervous, I'm so nervous. And I started falling back into all those traps mm. that I had lived in before. And just as we, they yelled rolling, I got through my first, I had a speech. I got through the first third of the speech and I forgot my line. And I stood there and I was panicking and sweating. And you know what happened? The board that they had on in the boardroom, this like big map fell on me right when I forgot my line. What? And so they had yell cut. And because that happened, I relaxed. I was like, someone up there is saying, hey, the we know that you're a little nervous. <laughs> we know what's going on here. Bang. Wow. Now just you got another chance. And from that moment on, 
it was gone. I was alive again. I was back into it. And I thought, isn't that funny? I'd fallen back. This thing fell on me. They yelled cut. And I was like, okay, that's a sign. Let's get back to the work. I can do this. And I got back to the work. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? What an unexpected answer. I know. As well. I told the props person, I was like, thank you. Was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was like, no, thank no, you. No, seriously, thank you. <laughs> wow. You know, you're the you're the second actor this week who has described acting as um, an addiction, basically. The other one was Durendra uh, was in here oh. uh, talking about... Um, a po- it's positive but it's still it's it's an addiction you yeah. know and it's something that and it's like chasing a feeling or you want to be in the work and so that you feel a certain way you mm-hmm. know and it, it's kind of like getting getting high do you think that's a healthy way to look at to look I mean I want to but I use there's some people who I've spoken to who don't like using words like career and, and stuff when talking about this work you know and I'm just like are we too precious about the words that we use or I don't know because when I think addiction it's like it seems like something that is negative right negative but you know the work that that you the work capital mm-hmm. T capital W it makes you feel good and it makes others feel good as well it doesn't hurt anybody Mm-mm. there's no harm mm no, I, I think it's okay to be addicted to it. I yeah. think a lot of people are. Yeah. Um, okay, but this, but this could be this next next thing I'm going to talk about. You know, it could actually be where uh, an addiction where it can hurt you. You know, and that's saying goodbye to Albin. You know, mm-hmm. when you're cutting off the, you know, you don't get that fix anymore. You know, what what um, are are you grieving, Albin? You know, tell me about the process of of putting those suits away are you wait are you taking the suits out and putting them on while you're doing other stuff <laughs> i've worn them a couple times yeah, yeah. <laughs> um albin no i never really grieved him you know in the theater what you, you do theater for a month and then you say goodbye to that character and the last night every word that you speak is the last time you're going to say this those words right it say, just yeah. escapes you as you're moving forward in life and um so i've been a come i've become accustomed to saying goodbye to characters um and what has happened is that it's allowed me to kind of continue to look forward to the future mm. while staying completely present in the moment yeah because if i think about everything escaping or i think about oh there's the end i'm not really living right now yeah and so i try to live right now i try to live in this moment that doesn't exist yet and uh mm. i try to I try to just be open to what that is. And so saying goodbye to someone is is fine. It's like, oh, see ya, bye everyone. It's more the people in the, that yeah. I don't see anymore, right? But then I think, you know what? Something else is going to happen. I don't know if I'll ever act again. That doesn't really matter. I want to. I'm, uh, you know, addicted to it. Mm-hmm. But life is life. And I, I'm just going to keep moving forward in this moment and see what happens. Yeah. What was your What was your last day on set like? Yeah, it was the day I died. Yeah. And it was very funny because Victor and I were uh, sitting there in the final scene, uh, Victor Webster, uh, and uh, my char- he's, his character kind of... Not my president. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of... Uh, see, there's the, the <laughs> connection. There um, you go. He, uh, he kind of... He turns on me and he gets a little nasty. And... Um, I, I bent down to talk to him and I kind of put my hand on the handrest and his hand was there and our hands touched and uh, they never caught it on a camera. They didn't use it, but it was this moment of, of connection between us. And mm. I just kind of stroked his fingers and tried to calm him down. And he was like, what are you doing, Alvin? And, uh, <laughs> and that was kind of the last moment. And they had to, you know, the last moment really was when the stuff was coming out of my mouth. but. I remember Victor saying, oh, the president and Alvin have now started a new relationship. And it was very, you know, kind of an end point for us, but it was very fun. Yeah. And that was the camaraderie that we had on set, right? It was... Camaraderie. Camaria. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, I thought that Wade was in some ways more evil than Alvin. I mean, like just coming to the fact that like Wade knew what was going to happen mm-hmm. to his own child. Yeah. And and yep. And okayed it. Yeah. You that know? is kind of that despicable. Is, yeah. As a parent. Yeah. No. Awful. Awful. Totally awful. Yeah. And just for what? For power. Yeah. Disgusting. 
<laughs> and it, I mean, and Alvin just wanted to be one of the witches. What kind of message do you have to the switches yeah. who continue to to be ride or die for Motherland Fort Salem? You know, it's so unbelievable what they're doing. Yeah. Eh? Like so unbelievable how they are connected to that show. Yeah. Yeah. It's I love them. I think they're fantastic. And whatever, like if they're uh, if they're connected to a show and it means something to them, then bravo. Yeah. Good for you for standing up and saying, "I want this show back. I I love this show." There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I love them all. And I'd like them all to join the Camarilla. <laughs> okay, that was it's creepy. Bob, you're like, I, I like you a lot, but then you you raise your eyes a certain way and you just transform. You're just Alvin all of a sudden. Okay, we're going we're gonna to move on. We're going to move on. I want to talk about Safe Haven. Mm -hmm. um, because, like, I don't know why. It, I actually, I didn't go back and look at your Facebook today. but And I don't go on Facebook all the time, but I do have a memory. And I, was it last summer and early fall? But I would go on and it would be, you were like... I met up with this person from my past today and I hadn't seen them since this and we had a great time. I went back to this place today and I'm like, he's filming a new project and he's walking down memory lane all yeah. the time. So so bring us back to Winnipeg then. Okay, so I, I uh, grew up in Winnipeg until grade seven and then I moved to Penticton and, and spent grade eight through grade 12 in Penticton. Um, so like that was many decades ago and um when i knew that i got safe haven and i was going back to winnipeg for four months i i had been back once in a while kind of i really hadn't talked to anybody hadn't yeah. seen anybody but i'd done a show at manitoba theater center and um so but you spent formative childhood years yeah like really formative yeah. and you know grades one to seven is a well i was there from you know from basically two years old to grade seven those are uh, that's your childhood yeah that yeah. is an enormous part of childhood then there comes the teenage years which was penticton so there's these two distinct mm. eras of my life that are very very formative and one of them was winnipeg and um so i was like okay what am i going to do for four months in winnipeg what like i'm not going to be on set all the time and so i literally put a post out on facebook and instagram that said hey winnipeg i'm coming to live in your city for four months <laughs> anybody that knew me in the past i would love to meet you go for dinner with you go to the places that you love and learn about winnipeg and i want to learn about your families and see what's happened over the last 40 years because i mean what i it looked like you were eating a lot of good food and seeing a lot of cool people <laughs> you would not believe what happened like people took me all over they took me to their favorite places that i would never guess yeah that were was in winnipeg right and and then i'd meet their families and their kids and it was unbelievable and i got to tell you something about winnipeg like um winnipeg is cold in the winter we all know that it's 40 below it is windy it is like prairie it and, is called winter peg yeah winter peg <laughs> but in the summer oh it's hot as fuck it's like <laughs> warm and they ha hibernate all winter long. So when the summer comes, there is something to do every weekend. Every weekend, there is some new like Icelandic festival or this. Um, really? Yeah, stampede or yeah, it's unbelievable what happens wow. over and over. And did you know that the Ukrainian population in Winnipeg I do know. is like the largest outside of the Ukraine? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it phenomenal. Was crazy. Did you go to the museum that they built there? The uh, no, did you get there? Isn't it the Human Rights Museum? Yes. Yeah. So I lived very close to that. It is the wackiest building you've ever seen, and I would love to go to when I've never been. Yeah. Although I did, I do have family there, and actually. I have family who worked in the film and, and TV scene there oh. because like like back in like the 70s and the 80s, like it's this incredible dynamic kind of guerrilla filmmaking place yeah. as well. But yeah, I would love to go to Winnipeg. Really, the museum is like, you know, what what has is most appealing to me. Yeah. But also the people that I've met from Winnipeg, you know, you're Alex Ponovics, yeah. you know, you're Lisa DeRue's like phenomenal. Yeah. Friendly. Yeah people that it's called friendly manitoba right it's right on their license plates and is it really see i yeah. didn't know that and and that is exactly what it is i mean they have some skewed views politically in some of the smaller farming towns mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but whatever um the people are generous and they'll have you over and they'll eat food with you and they'll cook for you and it's just truly amazing 
Yeah. One of the great things is this thing called Folklorama, where they have all these pavilions over the whole city, and each one is a different country, different oh. place. So we went to the Ukrainian pavilion mm -hmm. and watched um, the Ukrainian dancing and singing, but they feed you. So we had real pierogies oh, yeah. and kobasa, and it was so good. And the other great one was the Metis pavilion. Yeah. It was unbelievable, although they served bologna for dinner, mm -hmm. fried mm -hmm. bologna, which was weird. But they hey. love it. I loved it. It was a yeah, tea you band. Still, you still ate it. <laughs> he walked by and he goes, oh, you're having the bologna, huh? And I said, yeah. And he goes, greatest food on earth. I, like, mm, I don't think so. But. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Oh, good for you for, for going out there and trying. So you told me something kind of shocking about Safe Haven, though. I, I couldn't believe it. And I almost don't believe it until I see it. But you don't play a meanie. And no, you don't, don't play a smarmy bastard you no. don't play a ne'er-do-well i don't believe it <laughs> it's true <laughs> it was funny because i i play a lot of bad guys and i was like oh, i want to play a lover again i want to play someone that you know is in love well safe haven i'm not really in love uh, i do have a love interest but that's not the core part of it yeah uh, i'm a father more than anything in that show well that's love mm -hmm. yeah. yeah unless you're the vice president on Motherland Fort yeah, exactly. Salem. And you yeah. kill your child. <laughs> yeah, a little uh, different kind of love. No, but it was uh, it was a part that came around and I thought, oh, I, I, this is really great for me. It's a really lovely character who's just a little bit out there and wacky and um, has no social skills. Very, like there's similarities between Albin and him were um, evident in mm -hmm. some places, but clearly they're diametrically opposed yeah. in other places. But yeah, Safe Haven is a pretty amazing show. Okay, so what, I mean, all I know about it is the is the logline. What can you, what are you able to tell us? Uh, oh, you're looking at me like, oh, oh, oh. No, no, I can, I can tell. Okay, so what genre is it? It's fantasy. It is fantasy. Yep. Okay, and um, what was your initial response to the material? So when I first read it, I was, uh, a little confused by the scenes that they gave me to audition mm. and I, I didn't understand I knew that the storyline was that this young woman gets into a, a car accident and is in a coma yeah and in her coma there is her world that she's seeing in the coma it's called the coma world and um, that is really kind of recreating a lot of the uh, graphic novels that she draws and, and writes in the real world yeah and then there's me uh, I'm in the real world and I am trying to pull her out of the coma world to bring her back to real life. Mm. So when I was reading the sides, we were, it was her and I in these scenes and I was like, what's going on here? I don't understand what's going on here. But what was happening was that for her, I was her high school counselor living in the coma world. And for me, we were in a hospital room um, mm. And I was speaking to her comatose body. So my language was never being responded to and her language was never being responded to, but they fit together almost as if a scene was taking place. But it was just off enough to kind of go, something's wacky here. Wow. This is not quite right. And um, once I figured it out, I was like, oh, oh, I get it. I get it. And then yeah. I started to play. I was able to play from that point on. And he's a really troubled man. Um, she's a really troubled child. There, it's so fascinating. There's this whole other company. Did, did you see? Um, what's that show that uh, that they work in the office and then they Severance? It's called Severance. Yes. So it's a little bit like that, oh. and a little bit like. Um, uh, uh, like these comic books or these you know graphic novels, and so there's a lot of graphic novel stuff Gosh, that happens. What a great time to be a consumer of film and television entertainment. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Wow. I'm super excited by that project. I love that you went, had to go to Winnipeg to film it as well. What can you tell me? Because so was this your, you said you'd done theater there before. Was mm -hmm. this your first time filming in Winnipeg? It was, yeah. Yeah, so how does it compare? Because I, like, I, I mean, I've heard that, you know, a set is a set is a set and a crew is a crew is a crew, you know, wherever you go. But were there were there any, like, big differences between, yeah. you know? Okay, so tell me. Well, they have established artists there for sure. They have um, a crew. They have people who work on crews that know what they're doing. 
but it's booming there right now. Yeah. They have feature films and Hallmark has found that area. So mm. now Hallmark's doing a lot of stuff there, a lot of um, Lifetime uh, movies. Yeah. And so, and even the Spencer Sisters, which is a new TV series mm-hmm. on CBC, I think that's their CTV. Um, and we were there. So there's a need for crew. Basically, they're kind of saying, can you do, can you, are you alive? Come on to the set Hold here. Hold this up. Exactly. Yes. And people that are uh, learning how to move up are quickly being advanced yeah. to new positions. So every once in a while, uh, I'd be in a shot and then I could see technically something was a little wacky. And I mm. just kind of go over to the crew member and say, I hope you don't mind. But maybe if you do this, then we can work together to create this shot. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, thank you. Or she'd be like, oh, yes, okay, great. Yeah. There's a lot of... um camaraderie whereas in vancouver i uh, really don't have to do that and in fact in winnipeg if you live in winnipeg and you're working consistently in the crew member you might even get usurped and taken to you know vancouver or toronto and go work on other sets in different cities because you're good wow. at what you do so winnipeg's yeah. constantly losing crew and there's a lot of new people there wow so it must have been really interesting for you to be to be there watching their industry at that particular point you know the way that the industry here must have been you know uh, during our earlier boom yeah. times right yeah you know um I, um this idea that feeling con- it's so funny i always say you want actors always want more than they're ready for they say i'm ready for the lead give me the my oscar nominated film right mm-hmm. but the industry doesn't open its doors for you that easily it just kind of opens slowly and says who are you okay come in and try this for a little bit and then once you establish a certain level they go close the doors again yeah. and they say you know <laughs> we'll just move you forward and what happened with motherland as i told you was really fantastic because i became very confident on set i became very very happy with the work and then i moved to safe haven pretty quickly afterwards and um and watching crew members learn their jobs and me with them working together on that with new actors who like the lead actress only had one small job before she got this job right and she would come to me and she'd be like bob what do i do here and i go georgia let's work this out let's work as a team suddenly I knew what I was doing and I felt this enormous confidence and for as many years as I've been acting the doors hadn't ever really opened for me Mm -hmm. Uh, I was always like sure give me whatever I'll do whatever but I feel like the doors are finally opening a little bit and I feel comfortable walking through those doors Mm. and playing with whatever's being given to me now but that only came after a lot of hard work a lot of failure a lot of successes a lot of you know stumbles along the way and um and learning more about this acting craft you're you're kind of reminding me of your character in the canon right now as well clothes are on it's all that (laughs) that's fine uh it's it's about a porn star but like you know that's an actor an actor a porn actor who wants to do something different Mm -hmm. you know with his career what do you want now as an actor yeah yeah that's a, wow. I mean, because I often ask, I, I will often ask actors who come, you know, especially, you know, pe- people who, even people who come back again and again, I'll be like, you know, what is success for you now? How has it changed since the last time you were here? How's it mm-hmm. changed since the beginning of your career? You know, and, and, but success is also, that's like a very weighted word. Um, and it changes for person to person and also where they are at different points in their life, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I've kind of like I'm clarifying it even a little bit more now and be like, just what do you want? That's good. What do you, what do you want to feel? You know, what, yeah. what do you want to do? Here's what I want. I want to be able to continue explore to explore acting for the rest of my life. Yeah. I've always believed that there's no finish line for acting. There's no like grand poobah status. Yeah. You don't get a hat at year 27 yeah. that says like Tom Cruise in Scientology or whatever, right? Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. created a new level for him or whatever. For me, there's no finish line. It's infinite, the the skill set and the possibilities. And right now I am delving as far into that infinite skill set that I possibly can. What do I want? I want to work. Yeah. I want to surround myself with people who want to work. I want to surround myself with people who want to be better mm. at this job. 
I want to play parts that scare me. Mm-hmm. I want to um, I want to do everything. I'm like, I didn't get that part. Why not? Yeah. I didn't get that part. Why not? You know, I want everything. And I just want to continue to grow. I want to continue to get better. I want to continue to learn what's out there and how to do this thing and be better. Do you talk about this stuff with the actors that you call your that, that you count among your friends do you are you able to sit around and, and like compare notes you know and yeah. and uh you know or or do you feel like i don't know <laughs> that they're you're all kind of like suffering in silence and working through stuff in silence you know yeah i i often open the dialogue for what acting is and yeah. some bite and they get right in there and talk about it and philosophize and we don't always agree on what it is because every actor has their own process their yeah. own thing right their own that's journey yeah full full respect to that but i do love getting into conversations i mentor about 50 actors right now i have a little kind of little I, that's I, so many it's a lot i know <laughs> and and we talk a lot about acting and we dissect it and you know i they ask me questions like, oh, what do I do in this situation? And I kind of give them the mistakes I made so they don't make those. But those are the people that I really talk about acting with. Those are are the people that I get down and dirty in the grittiness of acting with. And they challenge me so much and I challenge them so much. What are you learning from them? I watch them work a lot. Yeah. And I'll go, every actor is different too, which is so fascinating. I'll watch someone work and I'll go, okay, what is that? What's going on there? That is, it's, something's missing. And then I'll kind of dissect that one and figure it out and we'll work something. I'll say, try this. There's this, you know, famous teacher said, try this. Try that and see what happens. And I'll watch and I'll go, that works. Mm. Awesome. And then I'll see the next actor come up and I'll go, oh, I can clearly see you're missing this step. Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, so for me, I can see actors and what they're doing and, and little skills that might help them jump to different areas. But what's really super fascinating is that there's all these words out there in, in our industry, like um, they really had the magic mm. or, oh, they got that thing. They got the star quality. Those words don't mean anything. What's magic? What is star quality? Is yeah. it, like There's no palpable thing that we can put onto it. And so it has to be a skill set. It has to be something that they are doing that is really good. And slowly- That's interesting we've been working and I watch them and I go, that is a quality that you can't describe. That is a quality that directors and producers would say, he has the magic. Yeah. And it's a skill set that they're doing that makes that happen. I look a little skeptical right now, don't I? A little bit. <laughs> a little. Well, because like when someone says it's a skill set, that, that says to me, this is something that oh, anybody could could do if they have education and exposure and i don't know if i would agree that that is is something that anybody... yeah that's a big argument among yeah. very very but famous I also, people I, i'm not an actor and i but i i was like i but i play one on tv i don't even do that <laughs> you know but i but i just like cuz i i would probably say things like oh they have that quality or oh they they make the magic happen yeah. or, but i know that it's a lot of work as well yes. but you know a lot of people it's like you know salieri and and Medeus, you know he he did can do work. things yeah he does the work but he you know he, wasn't he didn't Mozart. have that he didn't have that thing i know <laughs> i know right i, I that magic. Can anyone be an actor? Yes, anyone can be an actor. Let's say that. Can anyone be a great actor? No. Hmm. So you could step onto a set and you could do a one-liner and you can act and you can do it. You're personable. You're communicating with me right now. I see you looking at me. I see when you're thinking about things. So you have behavior. You have human behavior that you're not afraid to express. Hmm. So you can be an actor. Could you be a great actor? Well, I'd say maybe if you spent 30 or 40 years training (laughs) than you could, right? I I would believe it, but it does take a long time. Yeah. And it's fascinating to dissect. It's fascinating to learn. It's fascinating to watch and see people succeed and fail and cry and say, why am I not getting this? And and just say, patience, just keep practicing, keep working. Wow. It's really beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. It's interesting to know that you had fallen out of love with, with this maybe the day-to-day of the work or you know the the structure of of acting and Mm -hmm. theater and film and tv i lost my way yeah 
But I don't know if it's, when it's something like this, can you ever, it's such a big part of who you are and yeah. defines what what you're doing. I what, don't think I'll ever stop. Yeah. I, I often joke about dying on stage. Like, if I'm going to go, maybe my last words are, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're lifting your hand up in that thespian way. What what about stage and theater? Do you, do you have the desire to go back? You had mentioned that your relationship with it had soured. Yeah, I do. I do have the desire to go back. Um, I I have a desire to go back and work with people that uh, are willing to accept my mistakes. And I have a desire to go back and work on projects that I feel passionate about, stories mm. that I feel passionate about. Uh, so I do have that desire. And when I do step on a stage, I I, I feel like I'm at home, you know? Yeah. I can stand on that stage and go, yeah, I kind of know what this is. I belong here. It's like walking into your old living room and sort of going, oh, yeah, look at this. I know yeah. this space, place. It's like you walking back into Winnipeg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, before we start recording, you mentioned uh, that you have another role coming up that we'll be able to see you soon yeah, on Alaska Daily. Alaska Daily. Mm-hmm. A bad guy? He's a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love how happy you look when you say that. That's great. Uh, yeah, it's a really great part. That was super fun. The, the women that I'm working with on that I worked with on that show were in Westworld and uh, Grace Dove, who was with Leonardo DiCaprio. Grace and, Dove, uh, friend of the podcast, Grace oh, Dove. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and this other woman who's working on True Detective right now. Yeah. And I was like, what am I surrounded by here? Just brilliance. Yeah. And so there was a lot of, um, you know, I like to dissect work. And so I would watch each one of them work and each one had a completely different process. Yeah. And it was fascinating to be on that set and learn. Unfortunately, I wasn't with Hilary Swank, mm. but um, mm-hmm. I did get mm-hmm. to work with the three other fantastic actors. Grace Dev, I don't know if you saw Bones of Crows uh, oh, at, no. at VIF. I auditioned um, for it and I'm just, I had a terrible audition and I'm so upset. But Yeah, but I'm at dying. least you can you can watch the film yes. now. But I, I it's been a long time since I've had that kind of um experience in a theater where all of us in in the audience are going through something mm-hmm. together. Um, she's just remarkable. We're big fans. We're big fans yeah, of Grace Dove awesome. here. Um, okay. 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 Uh, we didn't do, I don't think we did this when you were on the pod last mm. time. Did we do favorite things? I can't remember. Okay. Well, if you can't remember, that means we didn't. We totally didn't. Okay. okay. Um, so favorite things is, I could, used to call it a game. It's not a game. It's just like I ask you your favorite thing of a thing. Okay. And you answer, like answer quickly, mm-hmm. but it's not like a word association thing. It has to... Be gotta, truthful. It's got to mean something okay. to you. I can okay. do Favorite Vancouver shot series, past or present, that you haven't appeared in oh, yet. Why didn't you say that? I wanted to. Um, <laughs> I love the sounds that my guests make during favorite things. I was going to say the X Files, but then I was on the X Files, so that didn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it could count if you wanted to like go back. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, you know, I find this one show, uh, Alien. Uh, no, what's it called? Um, um, Resident Alien. Yeah, Resident Alien. Oh. Okay, that lead guy is hilarious. Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Yes. That would be. That is one show I kind of look at and I go, oh, I'd like I could absolutely that. see you on that. Yeah. On that show, we've had Elizabeth Bowen, Liz Bowen, on. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, she who plays Deputy Liv. Right. Yeah. She's so funny. Fan. So smart that show. Yeah. Oh, and you could be bad and also good on that show. Yeah, I like that. I, I I like the scripts of that show for sure. Yeah. And I've auditioned for The Good Doctor so many times. I just want to get on that show to just say I have been on The Good Doctor finally but I don't think it's in there you're totally gonna get a call about it tomorrow you just wait and see okay <laughs> put it out there so I have to find the voice again since I had laryngitis I can't find the favorite things voice quite oh. as quite as easily I'm gonna have to go back into uh, some voice training okay favorite song to blast when you're alone in the car oh I have a rule 
if um, uh, any Billy Joel song comes on, mm-hmm. I play it loudly. I saw Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden just this past year. You um, did? Yep. And uh, I also saw at Madison Square Garden Phil Collins, who I also have a rule that if he comes on the air, I have to listen to him. Totally. What's your favorite Billy Joel song? I mean, there's so many. Yeah, I really like The Piano Man. I love the storytelling of that one. That's my car- one of my karaoke songs. Is it? For sure, Oh, yeah. you'd be awesome at that. Yeah, but I love um, She's Always a Woman to me. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. And yeah, I like the one where he has the uh, drink, uh, a bottle of red, a bottle of white, uh, rosé instead. That <laughs> one's pretty awesome. Uh, but for sure, without a doubt, any U2 song, you put U2, I'm like right in there if as soon as i hear that organ music and leading up to with or without you oh. or the streets have no name i am sold and you sing you will sing that yeah for sure yeah badly. that's good very badly listen i don't think that you know there are no i don't think they're a bad singer okay as i say that i'm like no there's some bad singers i don't, <laughs> don't want to hear everybody sing you know I, any hair <laughs> 80s hair band too i just love that crap. yeah <laughs> i love that crap <laughs> okay Finding the voice. Favorite activity to do in your trailer? Oh, Sudoku. Really? Mm, boring. I know. You're Sudoku. You're a Sudoku guy. I am. Yeah. I On your phone or like? Do I you don't have, have like paper? I don't own a cell phone. I think I knew that. Yeah. So I do. That's it a conscious choice. Paper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my agent was really miffed for a while, but she's cool with it. Now. She sends you letters now, but you're yeah. like, hey, Bob, you have an audition. You're yeah. like, oh, it was like a week ago. <laughs> Thanks for the letter. <laughs> but we can function with it without it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Although I, my child has a phone and I track them on that thing. Oh, and, oh yeah, yeah, that's good. I do like that, finding out where they are. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. Favorite midnight snack? A spoonful of peanut butter. That's mine too. Is it? Yes. Okay. So can we can we just we're gonna get real. This is as real as we're gonna get. Yeah. What what is your favorite? What is your favorite brand of peanut butter to eat off the spoon? Because like we we've actually had some arguments about this oh. in my household. Because Paul will go and he'll spend money on like a more expensive like natural peanut butter oh, with yeah. that natural you voice. Flip it upside down. And I stuff. hate that stuff because I'm like no. If you yeah. if you just want a spoon, yeah. it's got to be like it's got to be craft. Craft. You know the and smooth. yeah, craft smooth. That's what I do. But I'll tell you what. You know how to live. Skippy is like icing sugar in it. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. pour a little honey on it sometimes yeah. too. Maybe good stuff. Good stuff. But honestly, it's it's so good, and it's like it's energy food. Yeah. As well, and I'll even like you know get the piece of dark chocolate sometimes. Yeah. And, but like Paul will be like all like scooping it into my mouth, second spoonful. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, is that your meal? I'm like. Yeah, it's it gonna get me. It's gonna get me through. Yeah, it's funny. Okay, okay, Connection. we're the we're the same. We're the same. Okay. Oh, and this is an unfair one. I love unfair questions because I'm a little bit evil too. Okay. Favorite screen partner. Uh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh screen partner. Jimmy yeah. Cricket. Um, <laughs> you know, I just recently worked with Billy Burke. I liked working with him. He was good. I liked the women from Alaska Daily. That was really great, too. I liked Tegan Vince and um, the Cannon. Oh, my God. God. And my daughter in that show too, Megan Charpentier was good. Georgie from Safe Haven. I like I like them all. No, there's a couple I didn't like too much. But. Oh! Okay, well, we're not that kind of podcast. <laughs> okay, okay. Favorite character on Motherland Fort Salem that isn't Albin. Oh, come on. Yeah. It's my game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Favorite character who isn't Albin. Oh, I liked Demetria's character. Yeah. A little kick ass. I I liked, I I really liked um, uh, Tally too. She was fun to tease. (laughs) (laughs) I like the ones that got a little attitude. 
One's yeah. a real badass. Well, and I love too, like, the, especially Tally's journey where you're like, oh, she's so sweet. And then, like, you know, she's like just fire and power and finds that yeah. strength over the course of the over the course of the series. Man, it's so good. And you can watch all of Motherland Fort Salem on Disney Plus, uh, as I've done mm-hmm. a couple of times. <laughs> okay, I got one more question for you. I, I want to also say Lynn Renee as General Alder. She Whoa. was so fierce. I loved meeting up with her. Yeah. She was fun to play with. No, she's she's one that watching the show, I actually thought like, oh, she's kind of the villain of the show at, at times. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that, like I, I'd have these moments where I'm like, oh, what she's doing to all these women who are keeping her alive, that's bad. Mm-hmm. And she's so intractable. And yeah, it's 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 just a brilliant show. It's yeah, a brilliant show. It is. Yeah. Okay, I got one more question for okay, you. I'm Last ready. one. And this is for my child who helped me develop the questions. This is the most important question. All right. It'll tell me everything I need to know. Oh, you ready? Okay. All the buildup. Favorite animal. Favorite animal? Yeah. My dog. Okay, tell me about your dog. His name's Stanley. He's um His name is not Stanley. <laughs> yeah. That was the name of my cat for 17 years. Is that right? Best yeah. cat I ever had. Stanley. Stanley. Yeah. And he's a Lab Dachshund cross. So he's What? He's got a little goofy lab face, oh. but he's long and short. Whoa. Yeah. He's not full Dachshund like he's not really short, but he's a combo for sure. Wow. Yeah. I love him. How old is he? Seven, six, seven. Oh, no. Great. Oh, but always a puppy. Yeah. Even when they're 13. Yeah. They're a puppy. He's awesome. Oh. Great answer. <laughs> great interview. Bob Freezer. It was a lovely time. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Wait, so hold on. I know oh, you don't have a okay, phone, okay. but you are active on the social media. I am. So where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you? Uh, Send you some Albin love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Twitter as Fraser Bobby and uh, with a Z, Fraser Bobby or a Z. And um, yeah, that's what I am on Instagram as well, Fraser Bobby. Okay. And as I say, you can watch Motherland Fort Salem on Disney Plus and you can watch Bob's social media accounts uh, for information about how we can watch Safe Haven in the future. And you will know that he sends those messages from his computer (laughs) not his phone okay listeners thank you thank you so much for spending this time with us today please like subscribe leave us a review if you are so inclined they help us keep doing what we do when we like to do what we do here you can find us at yvrscreenscene.com follow us on twitter and facebook and instagram and mastodon at yvrscreenscene and at sabrina the Wyvare Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Mara Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger Devlin, for the original music. Wyvare Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And... Hi friends, Kat Lawhequist here, and I'm excited to introduce you to thedramaclass.com. Thedramaclass.com provides online workshops and classes designed to provide inspiration and instruction in the sometimes overlooked areas you need to be successful in your acting career. Things that they don't often cover in studio classes. Things like tax prep for actors, the power of costume and getting a job, what to do if you primarily work on camera and find yourself with a voiceover audition, what you can do to adjust your performance to the camera lenses being used, and so much more. Maximize your opportunities by filling in the gaps that will make your craft your career. Visit us at thedramaclass.com, sign up for our newsletter, follow us on social, and explore what will take you to the next level.